Awesome. Well, um, let's start off with a prayer. We've got to be praying for uh, Liam. This is heading off to China, guys. I, I, that's kind of a funny thing to say, right? Someone's heading off to China. It's like, whoa. Uh, he is uh, going, not China, Maine. We're talking about the real country of China. Uh, first time out of the country. Uh, make sure you bring your passport. And um, he's already pretty fluent, so he'll be okay. Uh, but uh, let's be praying for him, and let's pray for this message that is going to be uh, uh, spoken today. Father, thank you so much for Liam. We, we thank you that uh, he's just really a part of our family in a great way. We love him. We, we are grateful that uh, just for his hugs, Father. He gives the, one of the best hugs in all the fellowship, Lord. We thank you so much for him. We just ask you that you would send your angels before him, Father, as he's out there and I know what it's like to leave the country. It can be a little bit disorienting. And um, we just ask you that you would protect him, help him have an amazing time, a life-changing time, God, just to see another culture, another, another type of people, Father. And God, even just that it would open his eyes even bigger just to see you in a greater way. Thank you so much for uh, the Morris family. We ask you, God, just to uh, continue to be with uh, Adrian, God, as she's going through challenges. We love her, our dear sister. We ask you, God, that uh, you would heal uh, all those in the fellowship that need healing. I know uh, Barb is going through uh, just a pinched nerve. We ask you, God, just to, this week, God, in Jesus' name, Father, allow it to go away, Father. Lord, we ask you, God, to just uh, be with all of us, God, in our hearts as, as the word is spoken today. Let it, God, burn in our hearts, Father, like, uh, like those two men on uh, that road, Father, with Jesus. We ask you that, Lord, we know when two or three are gathered in your name, God, you're here. Amen. So, God, be here, Father. Show your presence through your son, Jesus, through your spirit here in a great way, Father. We're thankful for last Sunday and just Amen. what an incredible service it was to worship you and to hear from our brothers and sisters their convictions that you put on their hearts, God. One of the most powerful times uh, that I've been a part of up here, God, in Portland and we are so excited to worship you. We're so excited to worship you as we get in your word. And as we talk about tools for worship, as we talk about just uh, really learning how to worship you privately and publicly, God, we pray that you would give us insights today that, God, we could prepare to meet you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, um, today's message is called Prepare to Meet Your God. That's an epic title, right? Prepare to meet your God. I thought Tools for Worship was not that epic. Can I get an amen on that one? Tools for Worship. Oh. But I really think that, um, you know, that scripture in Amos, I know it's talking about judgment. Amen. In Amos 4.12 is talking about judgment. Prepare to meet your God. That's kind of what the prophet says. And man, that's scary. Isn't that scary? Like, in that sense, you're like, Wow, uh, we all, amen, will come before the judgment seat of Christ someday. We all will have to face account, and that's why we all need to make sure that we're right with God. We all need to make sure that when we come before God's throne, all we hear is, well done. We don't want to hear, I didn't know you. Who are you? We want to hear, well done. But in another way, I think, as we look in the Old Testament, as we look in the New Testament, we see our brothers and sisters from old, preparing to meet God. They don't go to God's presence haphazardly, amen? They don't go into God's presence like, hey, I'm here, God, what's going on? 
you know, they, they're told to consecrate themselves before they come to God. They're told that, you know, you need to, to kill this lamb and kill this goat and, and, and bring your offerings before God. There's preparation involved in worshiping God. Amen? Yeah. And that's one of the big things I want to get through today through the Holy Spirit is just that, that we have to prepare ourselves to meet God. We can't just go, hmm, you know, th- there are times where I have done that with my quiet times where I'm just kind of like, it's like the wheel of fortune. You know what I mean? Where, where is it going to happen? Oh, okay, First Samuel, let's read that. There's times when we need to do that. There's times when we need to certainly uh, just have a spontaneous time with the Lord. But that's not the best way to worship. The best way to worship is to think about it beforehand and prepare yourself to meet God. We're going to talk about how to prepare ourselves, both for private worship and public worship. And I think this is one of the most important lessons. And I'm, I'm struggling that we have our, a lot of brothers and sisters out today. I know it's summertime. I'm grateful for the recorded uh, you know, podcast that, that Trevor set up. But this is one of the most important messages, I believe, because it's, it's about our private worship. And our private worship means everything. Amen. You know, if we don't stay connected with God, we're going to wither. Amen? Yes. And that's what John 15 says. Let's go there if we're not already there yet. John 15, starting in verse 1. <clears throat> the Bible reads... I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will even be more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me, and I also will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Let me read that again. I am the vine. Jesus is speaking. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burnt. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Man, what an amazing passage of Scripture. And, um, you know, Jesus is speaking this before he goes to the cross. He's, He's trying to remind his disciples that I am the vine, you are the branches, and my Father is the gardener. And he cuts off whatever is you know, causing me to bear less fruit. And uh, amen, that, there's, you got to realize with plants and everything else, I didn't know much about plants when I became a disciple. Now I still don't know much about plants. <laughs> but I do have a yard and, you know, you just learn from, from, you know, failure and, you know, victories. I still try to get my grass to grow. You know how that is. And, um, and yet, what I, two things happened to me. I, 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 I pruned, you know, I just, it was going crazy. These, little, these three little uh, trees, they're cherry trees next to my house. Man, they're just overrunning everything. So I, I started cutting them off. This is last, last, um, last you know, year. And I just cut a bunch of branches off. And that was intense. You know, you just, it's a lot of branches, a lot of trash runs. And, and it was great because we could, like, actually have our yard back, you know. 
And then, man, this thing just went boom and just kind of spruced up and cherries out of, you know, all over the place. And, and, and now the trees even got bigger and farther out. And it's like, cut me, you know, prune me. And I'm like, I don't got time, man, you know. But, uh, of course, that's one example of how God in our quiet times, in our times with him, cuts off stuff. Sin in our life, sin in our heart. Sin that is causing us to be unfruitful. Attitudes, thoughts, you know, uh, faulty thinking, amen, that's causing us to not bear fruit. He cuts it off. And that happens when we remain in him, when we worship him privately and publicly, amen? amen? The Bible also says that you can do nothing without me. And if you don't learn to worship God and you don't learn to have private worship, if you don't learn to have amazing times with God, you're not going to last as a Christian. And I don't mean to be down on anyone. I don't mean to be negative. But that is what the Word of God says. Amen? The Word of God says in in verse 7, in verse 6, if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away. You know, that that essentially you're going to just wither. Amen? And so it has to be our conviction that, man, I have to get good at privately worshiping God. I have to get good at this, man. This is something I have to really learn how to do. And I don't mean good in a performance way. I don't mean good in a way that, but that my heart is brought before the throne room of God. I have to learn my heart. I have to learn what inspires me. I have to learn what moves me. I have to learn how to convict myself in the word of God. You ever do that? Where you're like, I need to get convicted here. (laughs) I know which scriptures to go to, and I know how to do that. We need to learn how to do that, amen, as as a congregation. And if we learn to do that, the Bible says we will bear much fruit. Can I get a minute on that? I love fruit, watermelon, all different types of fruit. And God says, if you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Uh, when I was, in, I was playing basketball at UMass, I, um, it was a great joy of mine to now play as a disciple, amen, and to be able to play and have fun and enjoy myself. And I wrote John 15, 5 on the side of my, you know, on the side of my sneaker, and I remember doing that. And people would ask, what's that scripture? You know, John 3, 16, usually everyone knows, but I could recite it to them. And they were like, wow, why do you write that down? And I said, well, because I can't even score a point without Christ, neither can you. And it'd be looking at me like, okay, man, are you going to shoot free throws now? You know what I mean? It's like one of those things. But it was great to have that to remind me that, you know, if I score 30 points, I know why and how I did, was able to do that. My heart beats because of Christ. And, I, and my spiritual heart beats because of Christ. Amen? So as we talk about this, let's remember the conviction behind it is, why are we wanting to get good at this? Why are we wanting to learn how to worship God? You know, um, uh, it's, it's incredible to think about, you know, um, uh, Tozer and what he said. He said, if worship bores you, you're not going to have a good time in heaven. Right. <laughs> you know, if worship's boring, oh, worship, oh, here we go. I like, I like when they, you know... They, people get up and share their personal life. But that worship stuff, oh, man. Let's get on with it. You know, what's it going to be like in heaven when there's worship all the time? Yeah. Like, how long are we going to be here, Lord? For eternity. Mm. 
But I guarantee you, it's not boring because it's boring. It's boring because you haven't learned how to worship God. It's boring because you're fleshly. It's boring because you are the problem. I am the problem. Amen? Amen. It's not that our God is boring. It's not the word of God is boring. It's not that the songs are boring. It's not that, that we have so many things to do. You know, it's because our hearts come in hardened. And we need to learn how to soften them. Amen? Amen. I don't don't care how many communions you've done. It still needs to break you and inspire you and move you. The cross still needs to move you. If it doesn't, you're the problem. Not the cross. Amen? Amen? But it can. It can move you to new heights in your relationship with God. So we're going to start off by going into uh, Genesis. Let's go to Genesis. Genesis. Tools for private worship. We're going to talk about that right now. And man, there's so many things we could talk about with this. But um, hopefully, maybe three or four things that I talk about each point will be something new for you or something that reminds you, oh yeah, I got to get back to that. Amen? How are you feeling in your worship times with the Lord privately? You know, are you feeling inspired? This is how you know you're inspired. This is the ultimate question. Are you fired up to wake up and spend time with God? If you're not, I've been there before. I've been there before. We've all been there before. We need to get a plan. We need to get a plan so that when we wake up, we're like, yeah, I can't wait to get with God. You know, as the psalmist said, when can I go meet with God? Amen. Amen. Genesis 4.26, great passage of scripture. This is the first time, I guess, private worship was going on, amen, that, that's recorded in Scripture. And it says in verse 26, Seth had a, also had a son, he named him Enosh. That was a popular name back then, Enoch and Enosh. At that time, people began to call on the name of the Lord. That's when they started calling on the name of the Lord. That's when they started privately worshiping God. Genesis 5.21 talks about this man named Enoch. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. After he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked faithfully with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived a total of 365 years. Enoch walked faithfully with God. Then he was no more because God took him away. You know, this is a prophecy for our life. If we walk with God, God's going to take us away to where he lives you know uh, another man walked with God his name was Noah Genesis 6 9 it says this is the account of Noah and his family Noah was a righteous man blameless among the people of his time and he walked faithfully with God amen Amen. you know the new living translation in, in Genesis 5 uses the wording walked in close fellowship with God and the Amplified Version in, 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 in Genesis 6, 9 says, Noah walked, lived in a habitual fellowship with God. Man, that's a great way to say it. Habitual fellowship. Habitual walking with God. Close fellowship with God. We have to walk with God. Amen? Amen. And what it means to walk with God is not, it's not just about quiet times. But I believe it starts with your private worship in the morning. 
or whenever you do it. We have to get ourselves, our minds fixed on Jesus in the morning. In wherever the, our morning is. Some of us work nights. So that's, morning is relative. Amen? But however your circadian rhythm works, the first thing you need to do is fix your eyes on Jesus. Because if you don't, you're going to miss him throughout the day. And I know that it's challenging sometimes. I know there are a lot of things that try to distract us in this world. Man, one of them is this. The smartphone. How smart was it to make this phone? That's a great question. Is it making us freed up? Is it freeing up our time? Or is it taking our time? It's a great question. How smart is it? Maybe we should get a flip phone if it's making us struggle with our times with God. Does anyone know what a flip phone is still? Okay, okay, great, great. Okay, I just want to make sure. All right, well, we're going to talk a little bit about this. Let's go to Mark chapter 1. And my prayer is that by the end of this week, amen, my prayer is this. This is a big, ambitious prayer. Everyone in this room will be excited about getting up in the morning and spending time with God. You're like, I can't wait to read this devotional book because of what it did yesterday for me. I can't wait to pray about this. I can't wait to sing this song. I can't wait to get in my word. I, I can't wait to study this study Bible out or look at this commentary or, or go to this place, my special place with, in prayer with God. It's interesting that Enoch became a father, and that's when he started walking with God. You know, I know we have a lot of new parents out there, and, and I'm, I remember those times. Do you remember the times when you got no sleep? You know, you're up, you know your, your eyes are red, you're tired, you feel like the, the selfishness is just oozing out of you, meaning that it's, God is squeezing it out of you, amen? You know, and that's a good thing, and, and I, I think my, my kids have trained me more than I've trained them uh, on being selfless, and um, I'm not trying to scare anyone from having kids, amen? It's a wonderful thing, it's a beautiful thing, but it definitely tests you, and I know, I know those moments, and I, I, first of all, it's, it's, a, it's a stage in life, amen? We've got a lot of babies. It's a stage in life that will get a little easier when it comes to sleep. Amen? Amen. We all know that in the back of our mind, but sometimes we need to be reminded of that. But it says that Enoch, and this is what always hit me when I first had Joshua, my firstborn. Enoch started to walk with God in a special way after he had, you know, Methuselah. And that inspires me. That inspired me as a young dad and inspires me as an older dad now. Um, and, and if you call me an older dad, obviously you're like, well, well then what am I? <laughs> older, not oldest, but older, you know? Um, you know, that, that, that it teaches you how to walk with God. The thing that it taught me was that I have to be intentional about my time with God. And honestly, that is the most important part of your walk with God, is you have to be intentional. You know, I don't take Danielle on a date with no plan. Amen? I've learned that that's not a great thing. You know, um, and, and amen, sometimes it can be spontaneous, but you got to plan it out. You can't just go and, hey, what are we doing today? I don't know. Let's go to this restaurant. There's a four-hour wait. Oh, let's just go to Chili's. You know what I mean? I mean, it's, amen, if, if that's the plan, go to Chili's, right? 
But if it's not, you know, you, we want to have a plan. You don't feel special when the person that's taking you on a date doesn't have a plan. Can I get an amen? amen. And, you know, every day we're spending time with God. We have to have a plan. This is an intentional thing that we have to do. I wouldn't do that to my wife. And I couldn't do that with my wife now because it's like we have to plan to go out. You know what I'm saying? We need a babysitter. We need to get the food ready. We need to, you know, Danielle writes out like a page of, of instructions for all the different things that are happening. You should see when we go on a getaway. It's like a dissertation. <laughs> this person has to be here. This has to be there. And, you know, it's like a spreadsheet. You're like, wow. You hand it to, if you babysat for kids, you're like, thank you. Whoa, you know. It's got to be planned to have that special time. But we have to do the same thing with God. Why? Because Satan wants to stop it. And if we're not intentional, and that's what being a father taught me the most, is that I need to be intentional. I need to be awake. I need to figure out, okay, I know tomorrow I'm going to be tired, but how am I going to make sure that I get my time with God? Maybe I go to sleep earlier. Maybe I do this. Maybe I do that. Maybe I put my prayer clothes on while I sleep. You know what I mean? So I'm out. Or, or maybe I do this, or maybe I do that. But we have to get a plan that works for us. And I know it takes time, but I believe that God can do it. Amen? Amen. Mark 1 gives us a little bit of practicals on this. Who is the closest to God? Jesus. No doubt. If we want to learn how to have a relationship with God, we got to learn from Jesus. We got to learn from Jesus. Amen? Amen. Um, Mark 1, verse 35. I wish you didn't have the word very. Amen? It just was just said early in the morning. But it said very early, verse 35, in the morning. While it was still dark. He wanted to make sure you understood. In the summertime, that means different than the winter for us, uh, you know, Mainers. You know what I mean? You know, very dark. You can get up at 7 and still be dark. You feel really spiritual. You know what I mean? Um, but very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And here's the thing I've learned, guys. Be realistic with your plan, amen? You know, get up. If you have a hard time getting up 7, amen, you know, get up at 7.30. If you're having a hard time getting up at 6, don't say I'm going to set my alarm clock to 5. Now, your body will adjust, amen, and we do need to be radical sometimes. What I've learned is, when you set goals that you can't meet, you usually fail, and then nothing happens. So you might as well have a realistic goal. Now, Jesus believed you get up early. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights with no water and bread, he was like, getting up early is easy. But we see Jesus serving all day and all night. I mean, he's serving a long time. If we read through Mark, we realize how convicting this very early in the morning is. This guy knew that power left him when he served others. And you know what I'm saying. When you serve others, doesn't power leave you? He knew that rest was important. Amen. Sleep was important. But the most important thing is getting his spiritual food from God. Amen. Amen. It says very early in the morning while it was still dark. It represents to me a sacred time when others are sleeping when it's still dark. I believe it's what's special about this in many ways is the earliest parts of the day are the quietest parts of the day. Because everyone else, other than the snore that they make, are pretty quiet. 
you know, I believe that is an important part of worshiping God. You have to get to a sacred place, a sacred, quiet place. And that can be hard when you have three kids. Hey, can I have some raisin bran? You know, it, it gets a little hard to do that. But I have to find my sacred place. I can't make excuses for why I can't spend time with God. Because God's available all the time. Think about that. You know, imagine someone saying they couldn't get with you. And you ask them, so um, I'm free all the time. Can we just get together this week? And you're, they're like, no, I don't think we can do it. Well, when are you free? I'm free the whole week. Literally, any time of the day, I'm, I'm ready for you. And that person says back to me, dude, I'm sorry, I got no time for you. That would be convicting, wouldn't it? I'd be like, well, I guess you don't like me. I guess you, you, you don't really find me that important. And that's what's convicting about it. I can spend time with God. You know, if it's 11 p.m., is your time with the Lord. Get it. But remember that it's hard sometimes when you wake up to have that fresh heart. I believe the morning is the best time. I believe that manna, it went away after 12 for a reason. Think about that. Manna was given from heaven. And if, if, the, if you had people sleep in, what was going to happen to them? They don't get no food. Oh, man. Hey, man. It's just a rough night. Is there any more manna left? Dude, it evaporated, man. Did you take some for me? God said not to do that. God said, I can't take manna for you. You have to take manna for yourself. You have to get up and get your own manna. You can't just go borrow mine. You can't get inspired by someone else's quiet time. I can go, Mario, what'd you learn in your quiet time, man? Inspire me and, and do that every day to him. He's going to be like, dude, come on, man. In your own time. And you ever hear someone fired up about something that you're not fired up about? It's funny. I just read in my quiet time, it was amazing. The Levi- in Leviticus, they, were, they had robes on, man. Isn't that inspiring? And you're like, that's super inspiring, bro. I just think I lied to you. <laughs> you know what I mean? But you know, it's like, wow. Sometimes things aren't inspiring. You are inspired to other people, right? And amen, sometimes it's very inspiring. Most of the time it is when you hear someone else's quiet time. That would be a great service, huh? What would you learn in your quiet time this week that you want to share with the church? Man, we could get a lot of encouragement that way. Sacred time, early in the morning, we have to do it. The best way to say it is, what's going to help you fix your eyes on Jesus? What time in the day is going to help you fix your eyes on Jesus? I don't think we have to be legalistic about it. If it's not dark, it's not a quiet time. Because then I would be like, yo, just having a quiet time at 1 a.m. You know what I mean? But that's not going to help me keep my eyes fresh. What helps me personally with my schedule is early in the morning. I can't get away from that. As a father of three, as as, as the things I have going on, can't get away from that. The second thing is get up. Amen? It's pretty. Jesus got up. I know that's kind of a simple point. We're talking about tools for worship, amen? You know, he got up. The, the, 90% of the battle is getting up. Yeah. Getting up. And for me, I, I just, before you do anything, spend time with the Lord. That's what Jesus did. He just left the house. The Bible says he left the house 
because he wanted a quiet, uninterrupted place. You know, we can find that in our homes sometimes, amen? Uh, there are rooms sometimes that will work for us, but Jesus knew that his disciples were going to squawk in all over the place and everyone wanted to find him. He just healed the whole town. People are going to tell more people about it and come. He knew he had to go to a secret place that no one knew. What's your secret place? What's your sacred time, place of prayer? If you go, boom, you're in the right place, man. If you're like, I don't know. Well, that's a great thing. That's encouraging because then you can find a sacred place that you can spend time with God. Amen? Amen. You know, um, there are, I have a couple places in my, you know, in my kind of world. It's, the sunroom is a really nice place for me. Um, that's a great place where usually there's no TV, there's no internet, um, so the kids don't usually go in there much, you know. Um, and, and, and it's usually a pretty nice place to go. Um, and the only, you know, maybe, maybe Lulu will come and hang out with it, but that's awesome. I see the glory of God in her, you know. Um, but again, it's, 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 that's our dog. Um, but that's, that's, that's uh, also Fort Williams. I mean, I get to be blessed to be near there. That's an amazing place. And I find I got to get there early or else there's all these tourists. And it, today I was spending a little time with the Lord there and, and the people were up early. You know what I mean? Photographers and painters and stuff. So I got there. I'm like, these photographers and painters are, 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 are looking at the glory of God. I mean, I got to get there earlier than them. Because they're trying to get the sunset, you know, and, and, and I'm sitting there praying, and you know how you get upset when someone's messing up your quiet time? I'm like, you know, and so I had, to, I had to kind of move somewhere else, you know what I mean? And that will happen sometimes, but getting that sacred time with God to pray it out. Maybe that's your car, amen? I think the car can be a place, it can be a quick win, Amen? If you need a place, you know what? I wasn't able to do what I wanted to do, but I can pray in the car. A lunch break can be a powerful time. Daniel spent three times a day, he got down on his knees and praised God and thanked him. We can do that too, amen? I've had powerful times with God during lunch break. What I try to do is I find two times in the day where I, I, if I miss this one, I can get this one. That helps me a ton. Leave the house. Get a plan. Let's go to Luke 11. It says everyone was looking for Jesus. And you see this, right? Everyone was looking for Jesus. And Peter and his companions, it says Simon and his companions went looking for him. They said, everyone is looking for you. And, and it was kind of that air of, where have you been? Did Jesus apologize, church? He did not apologize. Well, I'm so sorry I wasn't available. Please leave a message. I have to tell him. You know, he did it. He was like, let's go somewhere else. He felt focused. You know, we can't apologize for t- spending our time with God. I think sometimes we're too available. If you're going to be a strong disciple of Jesus, you need to turn it off sometimes. You need to be unapologetically away from people. You know, the Bible says Jesus often went to lonely places where he prayed. Jesus, you could say was he never apologized for spending time with God. People would go find him, you know. He never apologized, and we should never apologize. You know, emails, phone calls, it has to wait. 
And I know sometimes we feel like, you know, it can be challenging because we have jobs and we have things we have to do. But the first thing we're doing is checking our email in the morning or checking some sort of phone thing before we check God's word. We, we need to check our hearts. Because this is not going to help you bear much fruit. Amen? We've seen that before. What do we need to do? You know, only you know the plan that you need. Amen? But we see in the Bible that there was places of prayer. And I think that's the most important thing. Finding your place. Luke 11 verse 1 says, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. This certain place, we know Garden of Gethsemane was a special place for Jesus to pray. So special, in fact, it was the place he went before he was crucified. We don't know what that certain place was, but they heard him praying. And they said, teach us to pray. Man, I would love that. Wouldn't you love that? If someone overheard your prayer and was like, man, can you teach me to pray like that? I'd feel weird. I'd be like, Jesus went right into it. I don't think I know what to say. I just go, Luke 11, verse 1. You know, Father, you know, hallowed be your name. You know, but, but Jesus had an answer right away because he knew how to pray. Because he prayed a lot. You know, verse, uh, let's go to Acts 16. Verse, uh, verse 16, chapter 16. Really easy to memorize that one. Once when they were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit. <laughs> That's not encouraging. By which she predicted the future. <laughs> That's a crazy time of the Lord, right? You're sitting there and you're like, okay, let's pray, guys, you know. And all of a sudden this woman comes, a slave woman starts predicting the future. Whoa. But there was a place of prayer. Amen? Amen. You know, they have places to smoke. Now, <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? And airports are like, this is the designated smoking, vaping, whatever you're doing with yourself area. And you see everyone through the glass, they're like, feeling all bad about themselves, you know, as you look, walk by. Maybe not. But where are the places of prayer? You know, we don't have that. They used to have that back then. Maybe it was just the disciples called it the place of prayer. But it seems like it was a designated place where they're going to pray. You need to have that. You know, and, 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 and we live in a beautiful state. We, we can go, I mean, literally, there's so many great places to pray. New England's beautiful. And so I want to encourage you, during the summertime, find your place of prayer. During the wintertime, be ready for that place of prayer. Although you can go outside too, amen? Sometimes very beautiful and very quiet when it's snowing. Sometimes it can be the most sacred times. No one's going to be at Fort Williams then. It's awesome, you know? But learn where your place of prayer is. Make it a place where you can connect with the Lord. I guarantee you, I have some, I have some special places of prayer. Behind the gables at UNH was a, was a dorm room called the Gables. And back then, there was a forest back there with a lake. And that was my place of prayer. No one went out there. You know, and, and it was a special place for me. You know, uh, when I was in Albania, it was uh, the top of um, Mother Teresa. Nana, you know, Nana Shiparia which basically... Not Mother Teresa, but uh, Mother Albania, it was called. And I wasn't praying to her. But, you know, it was up there, and it overlooked the whole city. And it was a place you had to get on a furgon and go up and, and, you know, the hill. And it's like a little mountain area. And it overlooked the whole city. It was beautiful, a great place of prayer. 
We need to find our places of prayer. A car, a closet, a basement, a sunroom, wherever it's going to be. Train your kids, train your roommates to leave you alone when you're spending time with the Lord. Amen? You know, um, let's go to Amos chapter 4. We'll, we'll read this scripture. We'll talk a little bit more practically. How are we doing? Um, prepare to meet your God. And I believe this is one of those scriptures that moves me because I do need to prepare to meet God. Who are we going to, amen? Who are we praying to? You know, it's like, if I was going to go meet the President of the United States, what would you do? Would you figure out, what am I going to wear? How am I going to greet him? Hello, you know, or if you're going to meet an important, you know, uh, someone you highly respect, what would you do? How would you meet them? You would have that, you would think about that, wouldn't you? How about God? How do we go before him? You know, um, Amos chapter uh, four, you know, it's an awesome, awesome passage of scripture in, in verse 12. It says, therefore, this is what I will do to you, Israel. Because I will do this to you, Israel, prepare to meet your God. Now, we know this is a judgment scripture, but I do think it's important that we always prepare to meet God. You know, we can have a boldness before God's throne. Amen? I want to encourage us with that. Boldness. The Bible says, come before God with boldness. But we have to be prepared. You know, I I feel very confident with Danielle, but if I don't have a plan, it's not going to be an encouraging time. You know, and even then, sometimes when you have a plan, it still backfires. But we have to be ready for that as well. But the Bible says, prepare to meet your God. What's your plan for private worship? I want to encourage you. For this summer, get a plan. Get a plan. No longer think, get a plan that works for you. Get a plan that's going to inspire you. Don't be overly ambitious. And don't just say, I'm just going to, you know, read something in the Bible. But have a plan that's going to inspire you. I just want to share a couple of things that helped me in my times with God in a great way. Um, first of all, you can't go wrong with Bible in a year. Amen? Right. Who's read the Bible in a, in a year before? We have a good amount of people, but not, a, not everyone. I want to encourage you, if you haven't done that yet, it's the most, one of the most inspiring things you can do. To read through the entire Bible. To know the whole will of God. Man, there's things that hit you in ways that you'll never get from directing your quiet time. And so I read so many different Bibles. I've read just the NIV all the way through a number of times. I think W. Jacoby has read through the Bible in in a year over 100 times, which is intense, amen? You know, he's older, but he's not that old, you know what I mean? And you go, wow, the brother read through Psalms every week. And pray through it for a whole year. So 150 Psalms, pray through it. 150 Psalms, pray through it. He did that. And he wrote this little book called Thrive. Amen. He's going to speak at the conference. I'm like, I want to hear what this guy has to say now about Psalms. Meditating on God's scripture. You know, there's the chronological Bible all the way through in a year that I've loved. I did that as a younger Christian. It was inspiring to know that Job is not in the Bible where it's supposed to be. But it's, in fact, right near Abraham. Interesting, isn't it? 
you know, uh, that, that when you read the Bible, I mean, it gets a little rough when you get into Chronicles and 1 Samuel and 1 Kings, amen, you're going through some repetition there, but you see how the Bible's laid out chronologically, that's a very special study, I got this Bible called the Prayer Bible in a year, I'd highly suggest that, that, that is one of those changed my life, I've read that twice through, unbelievable, you know, it'll help you pray in a way that you've never prayed before. It will give you thoughts about your prayer life. Um, now I'm reading this uh, Charles Swindle um, Bible study in a year thing. I'm just doing that. It's not, it's not like a plan. I'm just reading through it. And you think I've never read the Bible before. Right. I'm serious. I'm like, wow. God is in control of everything. God said to Abraham, your people are going to be enslaved. You know, that's crazy that God knew his descendants. He saw his descendants being enslaved. And he said, I'm going to bring them out, though. And I'm going to do this so that Glenn Petruzzi can understand that he's in Egypt, too. And their slavery is not going to be in vain. That, that God is going to do that. God has a plan. He's over it all. He doesn't allow everything, but he, he's over it all. He allowed it to happen. It's crazy that God is that sovereign to know the exact coins, you know, that, that, that he's going to get sold out for, you know, in, in, the, in the first century. Amazing to say that he will crush your head. It will strike his heel. God is awesome. You know, and you just read through the Bible. It's, it's, that in itself can be a lesson, guys. That's an amazing study. If you don't know, just let the Bible direct you and just go through it. Amen? Bible in a year. Amen. There's a lot of Bibles in a year. There's, you know, tons of different ones. Um, maybe a Bible study program where I'm going to study uh, this book in the Bible. And I'm going to get a commentary on it. You know, there's commentaries now online for free that you can get. You know, a Blue Letter Bible is an amazing resource. It tells you the Greek. It tells you the... The Hebrew, it tells you the, the commentaries. It has so many resources out there. We have obviously no excuse to not know God's word now Amen. these days. Amen? Amen. Um, devotional books, these are great too. They inspire us. People have spent so much time studying out a subject or a book, and we get to, to just sit at their feet at our own time and learn from them. Amen? It's like a jubilee, you know, when you're quiet times. It's awesome. I'm, 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 I'm kind of, I got this book on Revelation. You know, this guy spent literally his whole life studying the book of Revelation. And, I, and he's, he's not alive now. You know, his, his last name is Drake. And he says, I use every reference, I use 10 scriptures each time I explain the prophecy in Revelation. I'm like, wow, this is going to be amazing. I can't wait to study it out. I'm also a little intimidated by it. I'm like, well, if I'm going to get into that, I'm going to get into that. Am I ready to eat on that kind of meat? Maybe I'll just get inspired and do that will be my fall plan. You know what I mean? But again, for us to think about what we're going to do, get excited about the future stuff. Um, memorization of scriptures. Who can memorize a scripture? If I told you to come up here and just, just memorize a scripture right now. I'm not going to put anyone on the spot now. But you could do it. You know, that's amazing to have the scriptures on your heart. You know, for me personally, Hebrews 11 is one of those... Amazing books in the Bible that helps me. I'm going to memorize it again in the newer version. That's what I don't like about the new versions. I memorize and it's not it's obsolete. You know, you're like, come on. You know, it's not. But again, of course, 
this one says, you know, now faith is confidence in what we hope for. You know, not being sure what we hope for, but confidence and assurance of what we don't see. I love that they kept, this is what the ancients were commended for. I'm glad they kept that. I would have wrote them if they changed that. What are you going to change it, you know? This is what the ancients were commended for. We're commended by our faith. Not commended by our perfection. Not commended by anything else. That's how memorization of scripture hits me. You know, um, memorizing 10 Proverbs. You know what I don't like about my Bible study? I can never find those Proverbs. Those little Proverbs, I want to find them like, oh yeah, I know there's a proverb in here somewhere. Let me just search in on my Bible uh, concordance here. I want to be able to like find my 10 favorite Proverbs and go, boom. Forget even memorizing. I mean, forget even trying to find it. It's here. You know, go to the ant, you sluggard. I know that one, Proverbs 6. You know what I mean? That one stuck out at me, you know? But again, just thinking about what are you going to memorize? Meditation on scriptures. How do you do that? You read it four or five times. Read it once. Read it aloud. Pray through it. Be quiet and think about it. Look at each word. Break it down. These are, these are ways we look at scriptures and understand it. Being still, singing. This, this part of it is kind of like movies. What's going on with this? Movies? Is that a quiet time? I, I mean, amen. I, I don't think we should use this as our primary, but we need inspiration. We need a little you know, spice in our relationship with God. Amen? And sometimes we do need music. And for me, there's amazing you know, music out there that's out there. I mean... Um, you know, Fernando Ortega is someone I've been really liking. You know, he kind of keeps me still. And when I'm all like worried, just, let the word of my heart. You know, you're like, ah, let me just relax. You know, he helps me be still before God. Um, third day fires me up, gets me pumped up for serving the Lord. You know, um, The Maker is an amazing uh, song that moves me. You know, amazing lyrics that that guy Daniel uh, put together, you know. It says, you know, I, 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 won't, I won't look at the fields of Abraham and turn my, my head away. I'm not a stranger in the eyes of the maker, you know. Just amazing songs. What inspires you? Get figuring out what that is going to be. Um, Upside Down is an amazing movie to look. That's a worship time. See Upside Down and then pray. Watch what happens. Your evangelism is going to get fired up. That's for sure. It's an amazing, amazing musical. I put Rocky Three. That's personally one of the, my favorite movies that helps me fight fear and failure and face failure. I think it's one of the greatest movies of all time for that, personally, for me. But you got to find out, you know, is the mission something that inspires you? Is, is other movies, you know, it doesn't have to be a Christian movie. To be honest, sometimes those aren't the movies that move me the most. Just my personality. Um, but there's a last point that I want to make sure we understand. And, and, and I think we're going to talk about public worship next time. But just for the sake of time, I want us to get a plan. I don't want to overwhelm us. And this is the last thought. Let's go to Joshua chapter 7. You know, one of the most important things that happened in the Old Testament and even in the New was that preparation to meet God didn't just mean I know what I'm going to read for my quiet time. <laughs> I know what I'm going to 
study out. I got my, my music queued up. I got my movie queued up. You know what I mean? I'm ready to go. It didn't just mean that. It meant being, getting rid of whatever's unclean. And that's intense, isn't it? That they came before God with a clean heart, with a conscience that's clear. And, you know, the high priest, if he didn't consecrate himself and went into the Holy of Holies, what happened to him? Boom. You know, there's times when, when the Bible says, I was just reading the other day, I was reading about uh, Judah's sons. It's kind of something, you know, Genesis 38 is never preached, by the way. I've never heard it, nor will I ever probably hear that chapter preached ever. Nor do I personally want to ever preach that chapter. Amen? It's about Judah and Tamar. Amen? Maybe it should just stay in the Bible and never preach again. But one of the things that's crazy that I read is just God just put his sons to death. Both of his sons were wicked. He's just like, boom. Putting you to death. Like, whoa. That's wicked intense. You know, and it says the Lord put him to death. It was like, wow. These guys were wicked. They, they weren't repenting. And so God you know, showed us how he sees us. He knows what's going on in our lives. And I know for me, there are times I've come to God unconsecrated. And I feel the difference. You know, there's nothing can separate us from the love of Christ, amen? Yeah. But our consciences, it's not God who's like, not like this. God's always like this. We are the ones, when we sin, we're turning ourselves away. And that's why we feel a separation. It's not that God isn't like, I love you, come spend time with me. It's because we didn't consecrate ourselves. The Bible says, go consecrate the people. Tell them, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says: There are devoted things among you, Israel. You cannot stand against your enemies until you remove them. Man, this is super convicting. Wow. I'm not saying we have to be perfect or we can't pray. I do not want that to be the message. Because God wanted, searched for, you know, Adam and Eve. Amen? After they sinned and went and found him and said, where are you? You know, our, 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 if my kids call me and they say, I say, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Doing awesome. I'm happy that they're doing awesome. But I want them to call me when they're not doing awesome. That's when I really want them to call me. You know, we gave Josh a cell phone. That's the reason we gave him a cell phone. So that when he needs help, he can call. God gave us prayer for that as well. And I don't believe we have to come before God perfected. But we need to come to God in a realness. In a repented spirit. And if we don't, we're going to miss his presence. We're going to miss his glory. You know, it's amazing. God said, don't send no sheep up to the Sinai mountain. I don't want to see anyone but you, Moses. What about the goats? Like, what did they do? They just, one goat wandered off and just got smoked. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like, wow. God was like, don't come near me until you're consecrated. Moses is the only clean one at that time. Amen. He was the only one that could intercede, just like Jesus is. But he's made us consecrated, amen, through the blood of Jesus. Amen. And I think because of the blood of Jesus, sometimes we can come in 
without thinking as disciples that we need to repent and be serious about sin. Sin is sin. It's still as serious as it was in the Old or New Testament. Amen? Amen. And so for us, I believe before we go to God, we got to confess whatever's in our heart to God and to someone else. I think to someone else because a lot of times we need help. You know, if we're not taking communion on Sunday, I just want to encourage us. That happens. I've done that too. You know, I don't think, I appreciate the brothers and sisters that feel that tenderness and feel that, that, that spirit. You know, I need to figure this out. And it doesn't mean that we have to figure everything out before we take communion. Amen? But it's a spirit of, am I ready to repent? Am I ready to change? Am I ready to come before God with a clean heart? And how do we get clean? The Bible says, confess your sins to one another and you'll be healed. The Bible says, if you confess your sins, 1 John, right, to the Lord, he will be faithful and forgive us and cleanse us from all our uncleanness. Amen? Amen. So I just want to encourage you to be clean before the Lord. You know, if there's sin that, that you feel like that's on your heart, that in preparation for tomorrow, amen, that's Monday, that you'll figure it out and, and get open. And, and, and I know sometimes with, with relationships, it can be hard. Sometimes I don't believe that you have to necessarily resolve something in someone else's life before you can get with God. Amen. I think essentially you need that. But you need to be committed to doing that. You know, I don't think... All your weaknesses need to go out the door, amen? I think it's, it's a matter of, I'm going to repent. I'm going to make this change. I'm going to grow in this area. Amen. Consecrate, to set yourself apart, to separate yourselves from the things that are unclean and dedicate to a higher, higher purpose. You know, private worship is important. We'll, we'll talk about public worship next, next time we get together, uh, a week from, uh, two weeks from now. But I just, I want to encourage us. I'm going to ask... I want to do something on Facebook, and I know it's going to, you know, Facebook can be interesting, but this is going to be an encouraging Facebook post that I put up. I'm going to ask you, what's your plan? What's your plan? Amen? You know, you don't have to break down, you know, in a 15-page dissertation, but maybe just share, this is my plan. And, you know, we can share our plans with each other, and that will inspire us. Oh, I didn't think about that. I didn't think about this. But I'm going to ask on the private Facebook page, what's your plan? We can use Facebook for the good, amen? And there's a lot of good in Facebook. But we can, we can use it for good and say, what's your plan? And I want to encourage you to get on there and share your plan when you have it. And it can be simple. I'm reading the Bible all the way through. I'm getting that chronological Bible. I got the prayer Bible. I'm reading, you know, Teach Us to Pray, DPI book. I'm reading this, you know. I'm praying at this spot. This is what I'm doing. And then we can talk to each other about it. How's the plan going? Amen? Amen. But the biggest thing that I want to say is to prepare. That is such an important thing because if we come into God's presence without a plan, we sometimes can get lost. Amen? We sometimes can go, what am I doing? And that's often why sometimes we don't feel moved in God. It's because our hearts are not prepared. God's ready, He's willing. He can't wait to spend time with you. You know, much fruit comes from spending time with the Lord. You will not wither. You'll be like a tree planted.
planted by streams of water. Amen. Amen.